Good morning. Good morning. How we doing? Good. Good. Some of y'all get pajama bottoms for Christmas, and so we want to say hi to you at home. We're still wearing them. I know I did. I was tempted. Um, you know, uh, in seasons of life, um, we know that people's arms need to get held up, right? Uh, Nate, thank you for being a man who's holding up pastors, and it's our job to hold his up. Okay? So we need to keep encouraging, blessing him, praying for him and his family. Um, it's good. It's a, it's a good thing to be able to have the honor to help, and um, I think for all of us, knowing that we are doing something. What's the most we can do in any situation? Pray. This is the most. I mean, you could, you could, you know, do whatever you want, but bringing people before God is the most we can do. So I want to start with that. Uh, great God and Savior, we are, um, we're just constantly humbled. Lord, some of us had the best day in the world yesterday, and some of us got ache. It, it physically hurts us because of the emotions that we have going on. And so, Lord, whatever, whatever, just as Nate prayed uh, earlier, God, your mercies are new every morning. And so we, right now, lean upon those mercies. We ask you to speak through your word. We pray that you would encourage us and you would send us forward. I love that idea, God, of, of forward reflection, like looking back and going forward. This is constantly what your word does for us. So thank you. We pray that you would help us now in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, it's funny, uh, Veronica, you had shared that uh, Nate said something, and I, I start my message this morning by thinking of something, Nate, you said 10 years ago this month. We were in Pastor Mark's uh, living room. There was kind of a core group of people. This is before City Church had a baby in the garage, right? You know, it was birthed, if you will. Um, and, and you said something about 2011. It was a really hard year for me, the hardest up to that point in my life. And you said, do you remember? <laughs> See, God uses what we don't remember what we say. He said, I did too much. He said, I did too much. Now, I knew that year you had done incredibly faithful things of God, but you said, no, I did too much. And you said, I did too much. And so often I, I remember that constantly. When I read the text this morning, it was kind of the, the same way. Uh, I think sometimes we're, we're trying to take control of what to do. Right? For, for God. And sometimes when we're trying to love on people who are hurting or something, it's like, oh, I know I need to do. But we have to let God do it through us. Now, how do you know? Right? That's the hard part for us as believers. And I hope, you know, I'll share what I can. Um, but I think one of the things we know is when we are doing it versus when God is. Um, now, that's not to say, like, God's going to call you to do something crazy. I, I told some lady one time, I said, if I ever got a tattoo, it would be, I forget what it was. Oh, it was Shema or something like that on my arm. Lady came into church the next week, and she said, oh, look at the tattoo. And I'm like, oh, no, I did not tell you to get a tattoo. Sometimes maybe God told her, but I was just. So I guess the question is, do I let God do in and through me what he wants? Or am I constantly trying to do what I think he wants? Is it what I think or is what he's doing? I, I, I was sharing, uh, you know, in the, the, the Advent Word of Peace last month, and, and I just remember that constant unexpectedness of God, that he comes in unexpected ways, right? Like the whole baby thing, <laughs> not on a, 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 a night on a white horse, but he came so simply. 
And similarly, I think God comes in ways and, and speaks in, in this passage in Romans in ways that the people think it's one thing, but it's actually something else. I think I, it happens to me all the time. Like, I think I know. But do I? Now, I don't want to get all metaphysical and make you tripping out on thinking, you're thinking, you're, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, this, this whole idea of unexpectedness reminds me of one of my favorite gifts I got yesterday. I asked for socks. And um, back when I was a kid, my grandmother gave me socks. I did not like that gift, but I actually asked for them this time. So, hey, whatever. So, um, funny, crazy socks. I, I'm tired of looking in the dark to figure out brown or black. So I figured if they're all crazy, it doesn't matter, right? So I got these socks. Take a look. Pretty awesome. They're goldfishes. That's right, goldfish. And um, it reminded, it was so funny because it reminded me of one of the funniest stories I've ever had experienced in my life. It'll probably be the funniest story I ever tell in my life because it, well, it actually really happened. It's not just a story. It's, it's a truth. And, and so I said, oh, honey, it reminds me of the, the goldfish story. And she goes, oh, really? That's not why I got them. I got them because we were watching that show, right? And the guy said, you know, you got to think like a goldfish. Think like a goldfish? What are you talking about? Uh, it was a player in soccer who made a terrible mistake. And the guy said, I want you to be a goldfish. The guy's looking at him like, coach, what are you talking about? I'm playing soccer, man. A goldfish? He said, the goldfish has the shortest memory. I want you to think like a goldfish. Be a goldfish. I thought, oh. So my wife gave me these inspirational socks. Well, they had nothing to do with what I was thinking about. So I was thinking about, and this is how it works. Like somebody says something, it means something totally different. So uh, one of our, our little five-year-old uh, boys who are staying with us this year, uh, <laughs> he, he came up to me in August, and he said, uh, he calls me Mitter West. He goes, Mitter West? Mitter West? I want a goldfish. Now, we had already bought three beta fish, one of which we replaced twice and told the kids it magically changed colors overnight. <laughs> and I remember running out to the pet store before it closed just so I could get another one, right? And so I said, we already have three fish, man. I'm working. He's coming up to the side. But I want a goldfish. And I'm like, dude, I am not buying another fish for this house. You each, there was three of them. They all had fish. And so um, he's laughing, he's laughing. And so, goodness gracious, these kids want everything. Here, I go back to working. Comes around the other side of me, but to Wes, I want goldfish. Dude, I'm not buying you a fish. I'm working, leave me alone. No, and he's smiling. No, but to Wes, I want a knack. He was talking about goldfish crackers. I said, for you. Oh, that's, no, a goldfish neck. It's about thinking differently, right? We're, he's thinking of one thing, I'm thinking of the other. My wife's talking about goldfish, I'm talking about goldfish, right? I eat like different things. We do this a lot. We take little snippets of things and we think it means one thing. Like, I, I, I'm glad I'm not famous because people would misuse my quotes all the time. And don't we do that with people who are famous, right? We, we, oh, the headline said this, so it must be true. And in the context that we're going to spin it to mean what we want it to mean. I think people do that with the Bible. Mm, yikes, yikes. Uh, and, and I think it's interesting because this is why we have to give context to Scripture sometimes. I mean, it's been a month since we've been in Romans, right? So, so. Uh, I'm only preaching on a few verses here out, out of a whole book of 16 chapters. Like there's 33 in, in, in this chapter. And so we have to kind of see the big picture. 
And that's hard sometimes because we're jumping into this letter. Um, if you jumped into an email of mine, you might be like, what is going on? Like, you're crazy. Might be true, but, but that's just something that you are out of context and, and you don't know. So let me read Romans 9, verse 10. Uh, not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time. Okay, so they're referencing back to the Old Testament. If you don't know Rebecca, right? You, again, the context, you're jumping in. So this was... Um, uh, talking about twins. Before the twins were born, though, or had anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger, just as is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Now this is, this is a question we all have. Not at all. For, for he says to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have, will have compassion. But this justice isn't what we expect. We're like, oh, we're chosen, right? We're elect. That's kind of the, the idea. And this is a huge passage that has all kinds of ramifications. He tells the Jews a ton right here out of Scripture, right? He's just quoting Scripture, saying here, boom, boom, boom. And, and you'll see later he does the same thing. He's saying that God's in charge and God's going to do what God wills. God does what God wants. Now, the Jews are the ones in the audience here. There's Jews and Gentiles. And the Jews are sitting there going, yeah, preach. That's it. Now, if you're up to this point. He slammed him in the face a few times, setting him up. You know, my girls play volleyball. It's like, bump, set, and you just can tell Paul's going to come down hard. <laughs> uh, so, it, like, hey, he, he, he saves who he wills. He judge, judges who he wills. And the Jews are going, yeah, that's right. It's us. He judges the other people and he saves us. And, and, and yet, later he says, and he said before, it's not about what you do. Right? Don't do too much. It's not about what you do, but about his mercy and his justice. And what they did, though, gang, they were seriously obedient. Some of you may have heard of Christian martyrs who died for the cause of Christ. Believe it or not, there were also Jewish martyrs who died for the cause of pork. What? They believed that what the law said was so important they were willing to die. Scholar Leon Morris says in the fourth book of Maccabees, this is in between Malachi and Matthew, there's three, four hundred year period there, there's an amazing incident. Because this guy, Eleazar the priest, was brought before Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a bad guy, and he was trying to rid all the Jews out of Jerusalem. I mean, he brought a pig and sacrificed it on the altar of the temple, which is like the most vile, like horrible thing you could do to Jews, because it's pork. So Antiochus ordered this priest to eat pork. And he refused. And he says, no, not if you pluck out my eyes and consume my bowels in the fire. We, O Antiochus, who have been persuaded to govern our lives by the divine law, think there's no compulsion more powerful than our obedience to the law. Which said, don't eat pork. If he had to die, his ancestors would receive him holy and pure. That was his thought. So he was ordered to be beaten. His flesh was, yeah, I won't read the, the details here. But in the end, after he's kicked and all this kind of stuff, it reminds you of, of, of what Jesus suffered for us. The soldiers pitied him. And so they bought him dressed meat like good meat that was not pork. And they said, here, eat this, but say it's pork. Now, he could have eaten it, right? And just said, oh, but it wasn't pork. But he said, no. I am dying in burning torments for the sake of the law. Even in the tortures of death, it says later of him that he resisted for the sake of the law. They followed scripture so closely. 
so closely, so literally, so everything, like, you got to do this. And it was based upon the word, just as we as Christians would be like, yeah, you got to follow this. And then here comes the text. It does not, depending on human, depend on human desire or effort. This is talking of that election, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, my name might be proclaimed in the earth. Therefore, again, God has mercy on whom he has mercy, and he hardens whom he's to harden. It's about his mercy. This is so central to this entire book that we've been studying this year. It, it, because through all of this, he's saying, look, it's not just about you, Jews. It's about everybody. God's going to choose who God chooses. Now, for them, it was all about choice. They were the chosen people. And this is really hard to take sometimes based on scripture and, and, and for them and obedience. But God is God. And he's going to do what he does. And that's the point. See, the, the hard part for us to, to take in, this is where it gets, I got to be, got to go theological a little bit here. And some of you are like, dude, I just said Christmas. <laughs> but this is the text y'all gave me. So <laughs> this is God, right? So it gets hard. Does God really want us to have what's happened to us happen? Do we really? I mean, even David was like, who am I and what is my house? That you brought me this far. A good thing. Why, why am I in the position I am? Why are we in America? You know? No one should have to bury their child. It's not right. How, how, how dare us say the elect? Oh, well, that's what, what's happened. Uh, now, a lot of people say, you know, this is why I don't follow God, he's, like, he's got us predestined robots or puppets. And I don't want to follow a God who's like that. And, and I think others say, oh yeah, but you've got to understand. And, you know, it, it's, we can't just pluck this out and say we're chosen. Now, I might, this might be the last time I ever preach here because of some of the things I'm going to lay out before you, but it scares me. Because if I can say anything, it is that prayer matters. Prayer matters. And as soon as you start saying God has moved all these pieces and it's a giant game of risk that he's playing, prayer doesn't matter. And some people are like, oh, prayer matters to Prayer matters because it makes me feel good and that's what God has. Sorry, I, I just don't believe that. I believe that what we pray has a chance to change the course of history. History that God knows, but it can still change that history. So, um, he says in Romans 9, 19, one of you will say, then why does God still blame us? It's, it's interesting. Verse 19 through the end of, almost the end of the chapter, Paul's just asking these rhetorical questions. So he said you're elect, and then he goes, he says, one of you will say, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Amen? Who are you to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to one who has formed it? Why did you make me like this? God, why did you make me like this? And then some say, well, why did you make that person like that? And they're not going to go ever have a chance to like, be with God eternally? See, Jesus, Emmanuel, came to be with us. And when we move from this life to the next, as we follow Jesus, we get to be with him. 
Oh, to be with him. Twice in the New Testament, it tells us where we're going when we die. And you know what, it's, what it says? With him. With him. If there's any comfort that I know from experiencing loss of siblings in my life, it is to know that, that they are with him. He's with us. Not just through Christmas, but right now. The Holy Spirit, he says in John 14, look, I'll give you another comfort to be with you. And he lives with you and is in, in you. Sometimes we think God's just orchestrating this whole thing called life and we have no choice. But Paul says, doesn't the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? The Jews are thinking, well, we're the special pot. We're the good china. But reality is, God can do what God wants to do. It's not that, that God makes some who are damned and some who aren't. It's just that some, like the Jews, are different than the Gentiles. Both have a purpose, and both are God's people who receive his promise, can receive his promise. Now, maybe this is all you needed to hear right here. If you think for any reason whatsoever that you do not have purpose, this text is saying you do. That God's taken from a lump of clay something that is, whole, that, that is meant to be holy for him and for his glory. And if for every reason you read this text and you're like, oh, well, he's got some people who are chosen. That's the opposite of what it's trying to say. It's trying to say you, you are made special. God's going to make this. And to Jews who are listening to this, they're going, wait, what? Wait, 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 wait time out. You just said all these things in the Old Testament and, and he's going to say more, but... But wait, it's, it's more than that? Yes. Yes, it is. There's nothing you can do. So don't simmer on the fact that you might be worthless or not chosen. Don't sit in the pit. Let God show you. Be whatever vessel, whatever kind of clay he wants to, to do with you. And then Paul asks great what-if questions. What-if questions. Nine. What if God... Although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction. So what if he had patience with those things that were going to be destroyed? Hmm. Wow. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Okay, quick theology lesson. I told you it's going to get heavy. Real quick. Number one. Brilliant people who love Jesus disagree. Brilliant people who love Jesus disagree. Okay, so, so some of these arguments I'm going to present are people who love Jesus, will all be with Jesus in eternity, but they disagree. So let's just start there. But some people are wondering, what is this talking about? Reformed or heavily predestination-focused people use passages like this to say, see, some are chosen, some are elect. And they have a really good argument for it. Others who believe God knows all things, but God knows all options as well. So he knows more than just the, you know, track which he's come up with. They see differently because they see God knows it all. Even those options that we don't choose. In other words, it gives us choice. This is where I might never be able to preach again. But this is people who love Jesus, right? Different groups. Um, the Reformed or predestination folks that I, I shared say 
the what-if statements of Scripture, which there are, I have the number somewhere. If you want to know more about this topic, I've written at length. And, and, and the what-if statements of Scripture, like, if you do this, if you do that, then this will happen. They say, yeah, you're right, but those are called compatibilism. Like, they're compatible with who God is, right? Because God can't do anything against his character. He can't tell a lie. And, and so I think it's brilliant to say it that way. Now, some people will be like, compatibilism, you're just using that as like a, a wild card to say, ah, it's compatibilism. I don't want to deal with that logic or argument. But I think if we think we know how God works things, shame on us. If I've learned anything, it's I don't know. I don't know. And I think it's important sometimes that we don't know the whole situation. Remember my goldfish story? And I told you that was so funny and I'll never forget it. And you're going, that really wasn't that funny, Wes. <laughs> I mean, it was cute. Oh, but it got funny. See, the next day, my little man and I were driving to school together and I recounted, I'm like, dude, I can't believe that yesterday, I thought you were talking about a real goldfish and you were talking about goldfish crackers. And he's just like <laughs> laughing. I'm laughing. He goes, Mr. Wes, you need to start thinking like a cracker. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that in church? I just did. Because he said it was a five-year-old. I'm like, no, you didn't. I said, boy, I've been thinking one, like one for a long time, and I'll probably keep thinking one for a long time. He didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what he was talking about. So I'm going to keep thinking like a goldfish. Short memory or a long one? I know, that was kind of heavy theologically, so I had to kind of calm it down a little bit. Did I do that okay? You know, I think sometimes we, we make in a judgment an argument. And um, just a quick side note. We ought to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think it's one of the biggest things that I've learned over the last two years. Give people the benefit of the doubt. You don't know the whole story. I remember years ago, my sister-in-law... Well, let me just start by saying, on Thursday, twice, I beeped at people who were staring at their cell phone instead of looking at the light. I'm like, come on, people! Get off your cell phone! I, I don't normally honk a lot, but I did twice on Thursday. It's like, really? Come on, people. So years ago, my sister-in-law was at a light, got honked, and had this guy drive by her, just chewing her out, you know, telling her all this stuff. So she's, she's telling me the story later, and she goes... I was bawling. My husband had just died a few weeks ago. And I was like, man, wow, that changes the story. I shouldn't have beeped. We got to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I think in some ways, this is kind of where the Jews were like, wait, we know this. We know this. I think one of the greatest phrases, you know, I could be wrong. I judge a lot of leaders by that. I think a lot of people want a leader who knows exactly, and they say, this is the direction. And I kind of, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm not a good leader in that regard, but I want people who say they might be wrong. Because we're not Jesus. We're not God. If I've learned anything in life, it's that I don't know. But I want to follow him. I want to obey as best as I can. Great quote. Uh, I looked up who said it. Some tribute to Mark Twain and some others, but here, here it is. It ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. 
It's not what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure. It's really not for sure. That's what gets you in trouble. Is that not true or what? I know God's called me to this. I know this. Some people have no regrets. I'm not one of those people. Uh, I'm glad God does not execute full justice. I'm glad God has mercy upon me, a sinner. And and sometimes (laughs) I think people are saying, oh, I don't want to admit that I was wrong. And, you know, that's hard. Maybe that's a... Maybe I, that's why I'm not famous either, because I just, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I tell my kids that all the time. They go, yeah, you are. <laughs> but it's interesting, in 1 John 1, 6 through 10, there's a little passage there where John says um, three times, if we say we have no sin, regret, we make, we, it says we deceive ourselves, it says we lie and the truth is not in us and it says we make him out to be a liar and the word has no place in our hearts whoa there's a humility that that paul in romans is talking to these people about and paul concludes this section with more passages of scripture and he talks about right at the end he says yes israel you are called so he kind of builds them back up but in the text we're looking at here he, he just goes through in Romans 9, 24 to 28. He says, just like Hosea said, I will call them my people who are not my people. What do you mean you're going to call them your people who are not your people? Be careful judging who is or isn't following God. Now, there are things that are orthodox that you've got to hold to, but we also have to be careful that we don't just make a judgment call because we are chosen or something like that. He, he says... Um, uh, in Isaiah, same thing. And so you can read that text, but I think Israel did too much. They did too much. And they thought they knew what God was doing, which is a dangerous place to be. I, I, I'm of the mindset that, that God... Things that happen in life break God's heart, some of which are our choices. And, and for as much as God knows all this... He allows us to, to follow him or not. And you know what's great about it is, in, in Romans 8, we looked at it earlier, there's, there's two verses, 28 and 29. And 29, it's kind of this predestined thing, but 28 says, for, for we know that God works, oh man, what is it? All things. He works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to purpose. Does that mean that all things that happen or his, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, as Romans later says. I think some of the choices we do are not. But God works all things out for the good, ultimately, of those who love him and are called according to purpose. Does that make sense? Because sometimes you're looking at it, you're like, how is this? This can't be good. This can't be. God's going to work it out. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 4, it says, you know, um, praise be to the God of all comfort, Father of all compassion, who comforts us in our weaknesses. Or troubles, so that we too can trump, comfort others in all kinds of trouble. Now, never say that to a person who's hurting, please. Never say that to a person who's hurting. But when you look back and can see God use that for someone else, what a delight. And it does work things out for his purpose. And it, it feels like whatever happened was not in vain. God works those things out. 
And so this passage is so often talked about what's, what's elect or what's chosen or what you think you know. Obey God's word, but be careful not to obey what you interpret that might be wrong. Or a slight misunderstanding. I, I, this next year ahead, I want to encourage you to let God do what he wills. Amen. You know, listen carefully. I would say you dare have to talk with others about it. Don't just get it all from one source. And, oh, God's, you know. Respond well to how he leads. Be open to what he may be doing. And let him do it. Don't do too much. You know, it was ironic. I, I told my wife this morning about our goldfish socks, you know. And I, I went back and forth with Nate. I was really nervous here right before service. He texted me. I said, what can I do to help? He said, oh, man, if you could preach this Sunday, it'd be great. I said, oh, I'd love to, whatever. You texted me the sermon. Topic. I've been studying, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Fun. It was a blast. I was studying Romans 10, 1 through 3. <laughs> and at 6.30 this morning, I went, oh, wait, i got to look at that text again. I forget what it is. No. <laughs> so I know that passage really well right now. So I told my wife, I said, yeah, about the socks, about the goldfish story, about the fact that I got the wrong text. <laughs> Don't do too much. And dare I say, think like a goldfish. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God, for loving. Thank you, God, for having a memory like a goldfish for our sins and dying for them. To, to make it so that we can to help us to move forward. God, may 2022 be a year where we know that we've drawn closer to you, period. No matter what happens, God, help us to be obedient in that, to cling to you, Jesus, cling to you. And God, may others around us not even just see us as, you know, people following you, but may they just see you as loving them so that they can be transformed. We love you, God. We love you. We trust you. Things are great. Things hurt. Things, God, you are good in all things. We give you glory. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.